0: This is the longest I've gone without checking Slack or a work email since joining Design Collective, like, I don't know what year it was, four or five years ago. That's amazing, man. Living the dream. In fact, I actually took Slack off of my phone. Bold move. I like it. Yeah, which was also weird, too, but I don't need it there, so. That's good, man. How's, how has it been? Uh, it's so it was hard at first, but I think that, <laughs> <laughs> right. Cause I'm still out of, I'm not in California right now. So I think like having things to do outside of or away from the computer helped a lot. So like it's helping my dad split a lot of wood for their fireplace, which you can't really, you know, use a computer or think about computers too much when you're doing that. Uh, So yeah, just having, things to do that weren't computer related I think helped just kind of my
1: mind wander away from it yeah I mean I feel that I spent the first I was in the woodshop for the first time today and probably about as long many months at least just because I had a little project I wanted to work on and like you said nothing's going on so it's good to kind of disconnect for a little bit
0: yeah, and even like I haven't even played that many games really because I brought uh, my gaming laptop, but it's hard to play Warzone on it because I'm used to a bigger screen. So I only
1: get sixty frames a second. It's I really need
0: one twenty. No, seriously, it's so different. <laughs> and, I mean, I can play it, but what's really frustrating though is that I'm used to being pretty okay. I think I think anyway, being pretty okay. But uh, yeah, and then suddenly like it's just different, right? It's not. The same, and it's hard to kind of get into the zone and be good at what you're doing, and then I just get
1: frustrated. So, no, I, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So, yeah, it was sort of
0: a forced, forced break, but it's been good. That's good. That's yeah. good.
1: I don't know what that feels like. I just equally bad at everything, so it doesn't matter <laughs> what I'm playing on.
0: I don't think I. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It just equates to hours, really. That's that's all. Just hours, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just like anything. A little bit depressing to think about, but
1: what do they say? You have to have a uh, 10,000 hours to be an expert at something. Yeah. How many people do you think have that in Warzone? A lot. Probably a lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot.
0: Many people, <laughs> many, many people have that.
1: Yeah. I think the other big thing was
0: that, um, I tried, I also tried to stay off social media a lot. Like Twitter is really the only social media that I use. And so I also just didn't browse it casually and, you know, when I'm sitting around and I think that I, was, I noticed some interesting things, uh, over the break as well, uh, in conjunction with, with the, that specifically not checking Twitter a lot. And, uh, yeah, I talked with Paul a little bit and then you, so like, uh, Paul's here in the chat and then, you know, Rockwell, you and Paul kind of said similar things to me about,
1: uh, Twitter. So I took that to heart. <laughs> <laughs> you took it to heart. It was it was tongue in cheek, but sure. like everything, there's truth behind it. Yeah. So maybe
0: we can get to that later a little bit because I want to talk about I'm interested to hear about this uh, uh Swift
1: UI stuff and I don't want to eat up all the time here. Okay, well don't worry, I've I've plenty of stuff to eat up time with. Yeah, so um I lied a little bit. Yes, I did get to unplug in the woodshop today, but I've also been working basically nonstop on rewriting one of my (laughs) iOS apps uh, basically since Christmas Day, I think is when I started picking it up again. I've been alluding to over the past few episodes that I've been researching uh, cross-platform mobile frameworks, right? Development platforms, Uh, Flutter, React Native, etc., right? I tried to start each one of them. Well, let me back up even further. My very first iOS app, it's called Waveguide. It's in the App Store. Uh, it's a ham radio utility application. Grab some data from a data source, plots it pretty on a map. Just, uh, you know, it gives you a nice native interface to this little subset of ham radio. Let's you sh- see the uh, propagation, right? Who's making contact with who plots it and so on and so forth. Let's you do some filters, Get from a, get data from a couple different sources, yada, yada, yada. First iOS app, wrote it in 2012, end of 2012, in Objective-C. It's been in the App Store uh, since then. Updated a little bit, but the major flaw I made with that application is that it directly loads data from the websites. Basically, I had to reverse engineer all these APIs that these websites use, Mm -hmm. and then it pulls down the data, parses it, and then displays it from like four different data sources, and each one has a different format. Some of it's JSON, some of it's XML. Some of it, I'm literally screen scraping HTML mm. and parsing it on the device, right? Okay. Totally, totally fragile and now broken, right? Because things change, and I just haven't had a chance to update it. Um, really, it should just be a, you know, there should be a server in between there, right? Yeah. Uh, originally, when I wrote it, I was like, I really don't want to maintain a server for this. I'm just going to do it all on device. That way, I don't have to maintain that infrastructure. And uh, But now, like, I'm so good at maintaining server infrastructure that, like, that's, a, that's basically free as far as I'm concerned. I'd rather do all this crazy, disgusting parsing on the server, normalize it, and then just give myself a nice little API into the app, right? It makes sense, right? Front end, back end. Mm-hmm. So that app has been breaking because some of the data sources have changed, and I really don't want to go in there and update it. And There's lots of breaking changes with all the native uh, layout constraints and all this stuff, so... It's like, okay, this is a relatively simple app. Be cool to as an excuse to learn cross-platform frameworks, right? I know React somewhat. I'm familiar with JavaScript and comfortable with that. I, uh, I started playing around with uh, Expo. Expo is React Native's, like, the very, very high-level way to write React Native apps. And uh, that's kind of, it seemed to be, like, from the docs, the recommended way to start new applications. And they have the way to, like, if you run into roadblocks with Expo and you need more advanced features, you can, I think they call it ejecting. You eject from from Expo directly into React Native, and then you're done. So it's kind
0: of like create React app or something similar?
1: Yeah, but it's kind of like you make Expo, and then if you're, yeah, if you need the full power of a React Native app, then it converts it into that. with It generates all the boilerplate for you, I guess. Okay. But, like... Long story short, I don't want to talk about those things because I didn't end up picking any of them. <laughs> I looked at React Native. I looked at Flutter. and it's like, I really don't want to Dart. And really what it came down to is I need to rewrite this application. I really don't care about Android users. <laughs> and like, I don't want to write JavaScript if I don't have to, <laughs> right? Like I'm writing this application for myself. No one's asking me to do this. I don't need it to be cross-platform. not this huge, you know, I don't need all this interoperability. I just just want to work on my app mm. and I want to work on the technology that's going to get me to complete my app. Yeah. And I want to learn something new, but like react native is not the thing for this. You know, this is just like, I tried to get started on it. It just seemed like so much expo is not the way to go. Paul recommended to me just not even start go that way because I didn't even realize that expo is not just a framework. There's a, it's a whole service. Like it's free quote unquote free, but like, It's a hosted thing. You have to publish your apps to it, deploy apps to it, from it, um, et cetera, right? It's this whole thing. So that's how I had
0: known Expo or had heard of Expo was the server side of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I didn't realize that. They don't tell you that anywhere until you get to start deploying and you start to realize and put the piece together, like, oh, like, this is a whole thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sure gets you up and running real, real quickly. Like, literally, the code demos... You you get this, like, Expo launcher program. It's just a generic launcher thing. You scan a QR code, and then your app is running on your phone. It's bizarre. That reminds
0: me of uh, native NativeScript, is it? I think it was NativeScript.
1: I'm not familiar with that.
0: Yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes. But um, you can use Vue, basically to do what you might do with with React Native. Uh, You can also use Angular or whatever with NativeScript as well. But they had a Playground where you could scan a QR code, put the Playground app on your phone, and they would just sync updates to your phone automatically.
1: Yeah, that's basically how this works, I think. I'm surprised Apple even allows it because uh, I know they're very... They really don't like remote code execution (laughs) in their apps. So I don't know how they got around that limitation. So you
0: ended up not picking Expo because it was just... Too much stuff.
1: Well, I just ended up not picking React Native at all because like I came to the realization that I just I don't want to write JavaScript in my free time for fun. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, fairness, that's, that's it. End of story. Period. So that leaves me with iOS ecosystem. And uh Swift UI is a thing. And uh I just I basically took a deep deep dive. Not deep dive. I started down the road of learning Swift UI. So literally Christmas Day, I think we were just had some idle time, sat down and started running through the tutorial picked up a lot there tutorials are very good and the tutorials on Apple's website are cool because as you're scrolling through the steps it kind of highlights the code in like the right hand column as you're scrolling through things or so it shows you the diffs and stuff mm-hmm. that's kind of nice it was very very well designed
0: well so like uh, uh, the chats chime in now because uh, ever since you mentioned flutter there's been a few people that are like we love flutter or we know someone that loves flutter I personally also know someone that loves flutter uh, so, how deep did you dig into Flutter and, and why, why not use Flutter, I guess?
1: Number one, I wasn't really looking to learn a new language right now, especially a language that I probably wouldn't use anywhere else. Sure. That language being Dart. The thing that really turned me off to Flutter was the way they do their UI components. Like the, uh, It's not under the covers rendering native UI controls, it's just styled to look like the operating system that <laughs> you're running it on, mm-hmm. which to me is just offensive and gross, and it's not it's not going to change like it's not going to update with the operating system as it updates, right You're not using the real native controls, and yeah, it might be responsive and look and feel like it, but uh I really that was not really a path I wanted to go down, sure. so I that mean maybe sense. that's a maybe that's a really superficial reason, but that just that was kind of a red flag to me that uh. I have a way of writing iOS apps, and I know I'm probably not going to be able to do them the way I want using these weird fake controls. That's uh, yeah, that makes sense. So that's where I landed on that. In React Native, I React Native. I don't need to get into. I've I already explained that React, you know, makes my skin crawl. So. Sure. <laughs> I just have a jumble of thoughts here. I just wanted to kind of address them one by one. So the tutorials Swift UI started off really good then about halfway through there's maybe like five or six top level sort of like chapters in the tutorial thing and the first thing they show you how to create views and they show you a little bit of Reactivity and stuff and you know live previews which are really really awesome in xcode like the live previews are basically like running the simulator like they're very very you know one-to-one with what you're actually going to see on the device which is nice and updates quickly so that's cool that Mm -hmm. was all nice uh when I didn't run out of operating system resources and file descriptors and had to reboot Xcode every mm. half hour or so. I'm <laughs> still not sure if that's a, a the MacBook uh, Air issue or, or what, but Xcode seems to run out of file descriptors pretty quickly <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> with all the simulators running. Uh, it's, a, it's a documented fix for it. I didn't get around to it, but... And then, um, so you get through the tutorial, and then, like, the third chapter... So they have you designing this... Um, like app for viewing landmarks around the country, like national parks and stuff. And so they're like, oh, let's design a badge that you can put on your landmarks to show that you like, you went there, you hiked the trail or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they spend this whole thing. Like so what they do is they're, they're like, let's, they should, they want to show you how to draw like graphics in Swift UI declaratively. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, the icon for this application kind of looks like a mountain. It's like a triangle with a little jaggy thing through it. Right. Cause it's about hiking. So like, Let's take the app icon and make it into a badge. And so they they show you how you take the app icon and then you like rotate it eight times around in like a star pattern and use opacity to like layer it on top of itself. Then they have you draw this weird like pseudo hexagon with rounded corners and like gradients. It's the most apply looking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and it was so stupid. It was like, why are you spending all this time showing me how to do all this weird drawing stuff that like you're. It was just so abstract and weird to put right in the middle of the tutorial when it's like, how do I do, like, navigation? How do I do, like, a form? Like, show me how to accept user input. And they're, they, like, there's nothing you can copy. They just all copy and paste at that point because it's all, like, constants and, you know, drawing things on the screen. It was really, sure, really sure, sure. strange. Do you think, I mean, you think that's written to capture a certain target audience that might be pulled to SwiftUI? UI? I don't know, like, are they just trying to show off what it can do? Or is that the only part of SwiftUI that's fleshed out? Because I can tell you, and I'll get to this later, <laughs> the actual UI cont- parts of SwiftUI, not very complete. So, again, this is sort of, <laughs> I've not conducted a
0: scientific study and tried to find, you know, evidence supporting this theory beyond what I've observed on Twitter, of course. But uh, I recall that when SwiftUI was announced and it was was first put out put out there, The majority of people that i
1: observed talking about it were designers interesting okay i mean it's definitely a lot more approachable than you know straight up controllers and stuff and that's
0: exactly what they were saying so the i never really saw anything like too in-depth happening with swift ui besides jonathan sundell uh i believe talking about it i'll make a note for that in the show notes as well he does. He has a blog, and he writes a lot about uh, Swift. Uh, it's pretty. He's got some pretty good, pretty good content out there. But um, yeah, most of the things I saw, uh, the activity that I saw, were around people recreating UI elements. Uh, like I don't know, people who were like hundred days of code, right? And and a lot of them were front end developers or front end dev designers, and they were basically rebuilding designs uh, in Swift UI.
1: Designs meaning like full on like application design, no, individual, no, 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 no. individual components, individual components. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's really, really good for that because the composability of it, like you start, it gives you a couple of really basic primitives, like, you know, buttons and text and even shapes and colors. Like, uh, even it considers colors as views. So if you just do like color dot red, it just fills the screen with a red rectangle, which is kind of cool because you can take that and then you can like give it a rounded rect and like make it stretch and fill. And you know, you can do cool things with that. Uh, but you can also use it as, you know, pass in as a property, like, hey, I want mm. this text to be red. And you still use the color.red, but, like, somehow it knows that just to style, the text as the red, you know, underlying UI color. Sure. It's it's a little bit magical. It's a lot magical, actually. But, it's a lot magical. Um, it, it, it is really a shift to think about. I'm so used to thinking Vue.js being declarative, you know, and re- reactive, and to have that same mindset when I'm doing iOS, I'm still struggling with that. <laughs> Uh, but it does work when you when you follow the conventions.
0: Right, right. Yeah, so you're going through the tutorial and you run into this this sort of example that might be flashy but doesn't seem practical to you.
1: Yeah, so I just skipped it. Like I, okay. I mean I copied and pasted the code and was like okay, this is cool. I don't understand any of it. I don't care. Next, right? Yeah. So so I, the, the is enough to make you dangerous, right? At that point I started I'm like okay, I know enough to actually start reconstructing what I think this app could be look like. I'm just gonna just start it, you know, see how far I get. And that was very simple. There's four tabs on the bottom. There's a like a list view. There's a map view. I'm talking about like the iOS version or the the iPhone version, right? There's a list view. There's a map view. And then there's like a utility screen, a setting screen. Okay, like you're kind of you're running the gamut there of like reasonable controls with a couple of popovers, maybe a form here or there. Fine. And then like I said, it's just very simple fetching data from the web. Just a just one get request. Things I liked. Let's start with the pros because there's it's a shorter list my previous experience has been doing storyboards uh which uh i'll try to find a a picture to post in the show notes my storyboards are uh you know they're a graphical way to design uis it's literally like you design each screen and you connect them with these little arrows right to show every transition between the screens and let me tell you it does not scale Right. It's a
0: bit like an ERD, I think, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, but so like, you have screen A, screen B, you could drag an arrow to it, but then you can
1: attach like pieces of code to that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah, all it okay. all links up at the back end. Yeah. Um once you start having more than a dozen screens, you know, you're constantly zooming in and out. Some of the screens look similar, right? It's it's just really, really really it gets really messy really quickly, as you can understand. So it's like using Figma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so having actual code and in individual component files that you can diff in git right because these are like storyboards are giant xml files you can't even read them right like diffs are basically useless but being able to diff actual components pretty nice turns out right line by line you can see what's changed very good the, the controls themselves are really lightweight to write they really encourage in the tutorial to like break things down into very small individual reusable comp- components which the tooling is easy enough that like that's easy to do and encourage you to do that. So you just kind of lends you down that path that I think is great. You know, there's no there's no uh, there's not a lot of mental overhead with creating new views and nesting them. And it's really easy to add, you know, properties and have things pass through and stuff. So that was all really, really nice. Um, I feel like it would scale a lot better, you know, for large, complex things, like I said, reusability multiple numbers of like major views i think that would scale a lot better than again storyboards
0: well are there like uh searching tools or ways to help you navigate those storyboards or is it just a big splat like a canvas board
1: i uh i don't know i just always struggled with it <laughs> okay sure <laughs> it's not good Sure, sure <laughs> and then also i felt just storyboards are also kind of fragile like they're the, the layout constraint system is very touchy if you mess one thing up you basically have to just start over Ugh. uh right like on an individual view things they get really it's really hard to get the full picture of what's going on um and that makes it that adds a lot of friction when you're doing storyboards to like experiment and try new things and change layouts because once you have it working it's like duh, don't touch it Ugh. but swift ui because it's just code you can diff it you can reset it you can roll it back like you can comment things out and try things. You can swap in components easily, right, with the same interface. So much more open to experimenting and trying new things, and also creating custom views that, like, don't aren't real actual native components. Um, you need some kind of fancy little multi-picker thing. You want to make something look kind of web-like with little rounded recs, or maybe some links, or whatever you're trying to do. Like, all those tools are there. So it's really, I really did find it a lot more open to experimenting and trying new things, which, you know, I think is, is really good. Yeah, that makes sense. There's definitely enough people using it now that anything you Google, you can find on Stack Overflow. That doesn't mean that there's a good answer, but someone else has already come, has already found your problem that you run into. Every problem that I've run into, I've found someone having the exact same problem. So uh, the community is out there and they're sharing knowledge, which is good. They're not keeping it all locked up, like some of the .NET stuff. Stuff that you know I've dealt with in the past.
0: Interesting. I
1: yeah I don't have any experience in the locked up side of of the world. I guess. Yeah, it's never it's it's tricky when everyone who's writing iOS apps is doing it to make money, right? I mean, let me let me rephrase that. iOS apps are not based off open source technology, and so I feel right. like it could be people could be uh, more. Likely to sort of turtle up and keep all their knowledge internal because everyone's competing with each other in the app store, right? But sure. from what I found, that is not the case. It's there's a vast quantity of knowledge out there, so that's that makes that makes sense. That makes a lot more sense. <sighs> anyway, um, where to go from here? Do you have any questions or anything? I'm just kind of rambling for a while here. No, I think I, I mean I'm, I'm following.
0: I'm trying to put questions in uh, when I when I can. So really, I mean at this point you were kind of comparing it to storyboards, which you've had previous experience in, and also previous kind of frustrations with as well.
1: Yeah. And so, so all those things were great. I laid out this application. i made some dummy data. I, uh, with the previews, it kind of populated with dummy data. I could click around my app. I got it mostly kind of how I wanted. And then I started to run into walls, right? Things that should exist, but don't. And I'll just give you like one example that's co- sort of represents the the problem, the entire problem space, right? So I've got this list view. It's a list of data that is loaded from the web. Okay, I should have a pull to refresh. I know that UI table view Controller has a refresh control. I should be able to pull and refresh it. The little refresh control and the little spinner shows up, right? Like every app since Tweety, since mm-hmm. uh, you know Tweety invented it, Apple Sherlocked it, and now it's in you know it's a standard library control. So I'm like, okay, I've got this navigation view thing. I just, there should be a way to add a pull to refresh. There's no way to add a pull to refresh in SwiftUI. None. There's just, it's just not there. So go down the rabbit hole. There's a bunch of really hacky ways to do it. Uh, I tried a few of them. None of them worked. I even tried using like a Swift package. I really didn't want to pull in dependencies. Tried a Swift package. It didn't work. Like it was just buggy as crap. So I was just like, okay, that's not going to work. The SwiftUI does give you a way to sort of eject from SwiftUI into the old UI kit. Old, I'm using air quotes here, right? Sure. So you can basically write your own UI kit code and then just kind of wrap it in a SwiftUI thing with a couple of hooks to, you know, respond to all the reactive changes and uh, throw that in your SwiftUI view as if it's any other view. So that's great. Like they give you a way to do that. And they also give you a way from UI kit to embed SwiftUI views into it. So you can go either direction, which is always a good, going, good thing. Right, right, right. So I was like, okay, I'll make my own navigation controller. I'll embed my list thing in it. And then for each of those cells, I actually eject back into Swift UI to render those cells because I'd already done that. So I've got Swift UI rendering a UI kit thing that's now rendering Swift UI views within it, right? It's going back and forth, mm-hmm. but it all works fine. And then I was able to add my refresh control. Cool. Uh, I didn't like that I had to do that, but it worked. But now there's a bug where when you tap through the navigation views, like you tap on a list item, it stays highlighted, like it stays gray. It doesn't, like if you, if you go forward and back, the stupid link stays gray. Okay. Right, which it should just deselect when you go back. And sure enough, it's just a bug. Like when you, someone else is like, oh yeah, I ran into this bug when I wrap my thing in this, my own UI view controller, and then I have a navigation thing in it, and it just stays gray like <laughs> that's it like there's nothing i could do so now i am resigned to having to like do that whole view hierarchy in ui kit and then there's basically no swift ui left anymore sure like i don't I, I don't want it to look bad i don't want to do a hack so i'm just back to doing things the old way like that's it one tiny thing and i had to throw out basically all swift ui not great similarly like t- the tab view controller when you're on a tab, you've got tabs on the bottom. If you've got a list view, the first time you tap your active tab, it should scroll to the top of the list view. Right. Right? Uh, if it's already active. And, like, it doesn't do that. That's not the default behavior. I had to find someone who wrote an extension to do it. They wrapped up their own tab view controller thing in a Swift UI thing, and I used it, and it was work. It's fine. But, like, why do I have to do that? That should be native normal behavior. So, like little things like that. There's just all these little paper cuts that things aren't going to work the way I want them. I think, I don't know what's going to be left in my application when I'm done with it. That's actually Swift UI.
0: It's a little bit like, uh, like the corollary, I guess, would be like similar to spas, right? When we switch to doing more stuff in JS, you start to lose some of the native browser thing, things. Uh, I think like one of the quintessential examples would be the back button, right? The whole, the whole, uh, uh mantra of like don't break the back button or don't break you know the web as it is default uh became a thing because of that yeah i mean it, to 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 be honest it sounds like some of these things are just th- from you know swift ui being new or not super mature
1: yeah and and i think that's true i think that most or all of these problems will be solved natively with time but um, that's not right now. I'm trying to do an app now. And also, um, like Apple is pushing this as their way to do things. Like this is, they're not saying like, hey, this is beta. Hey, there's stuff to come. This is like, this is the way to write apps now, period. Huh. I, I, I mean, that's basically the impression they put out, right? Right. And so, it seems really weird to me that like if you didn't have any of this knowledge, like you would just be stuck. If you didn't have any of the UI kit experience, you, you would be done. And like I had this, I had this grand idea of Okay, I'm running this app in SwiftUI. It, it has to work on iPhone and iPad. Like that's that's a given. That's what exists on now. But it'd be cool if, since I'm using SwiftUI, if I could also very "quote unquote" easily release it as a Mac app. No one needs it as a Mac app, but it would be a cool experience to see what that what that experience is like. But like I've already written so much custom iOS code, and I can only see it being more. That I don't know. Again, I don't know what code reuse is going to be at the end of this if any at all right. so i mean i i still kind of want to try the mac os root it's obviously just kind of a stretch goal just for fun but i i don't think there's going to be a lot of a lot of reuse the, they they tried to make the swift ui component so general purpose to fit the ios paradigms and the mac os paradigms that i feel like it just went too far in the abstracted route hand 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 right <laughs> what what do you mean well, just thinking about uh
0: how lot how many people uh were talking about how Big Sur was one step closer to
1: having a unified like iPad OS, Mac OS kind of thing. Oh, yeah, no, it's very clear that they're keeping it very separate, I think. Hmm. Like like uh there are some swift components that only work in one or the other, right? Like menu, right? Menu thing does not exist in on iOS. There's no concept of a menu, right? Maybe there could be. But yeah, I also might just uh as practically practical, DK says in the chat, I might just uh, make my app optimized on the M1 and just run, <laughs> just run in uh, iOS on, on the uh, you know in emulation or whatever they do, and it'll be fine.
0: Yeah, well, I saw um, I saw somebody tweeting earlier today uh, about using the GitHub mobile app on their M1 Mac. They side loaded it. They pulled the. Uh, Whatever the file is, I forget what it is. The IPA uh, file. Yeah, they pulled the IPA file off their phone under the Mac and they've been using the GitHub mobile app on their Mac and they're like, this is awesome. Why?
1: There's a native GitHub app.
0: Uh they they say it's better than the native GitHub app. <laughs>
1: yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny.
0: Yeah, this it's all interesting to listen to this though, because when you said um you wanted to pick something that's just gonna let you write your or not let you write your app, but you wanted to pick something that Was more conducive to you just shipping something,
1: Mm -hmm. and I'm definitely going to get there. It's still I'm still way ahead of where I would be, but um, you know, at some point, I've spent so much time down the rabbit hole, like trying to do hacks and figure things out to do things the way I want them. That I don't know. That's a that's a big waste of time (laughs) compared to all the time saved. One of the things, one of my issues with writing iOS apps in the past was that. It was just too difficult to build views, right? Like I, I made a whole, a whole settings screen in in my SodaGoat app in Live View. Right, it's right, just a right. web thing because I would rather do it in Live View than try to try to build a complex UI, you know, native iOS controls. Um, I think SwiftUI does make that easier for individual views, right? Like for individual view or component, or or like some kind of complicated layout. SwiftUI is definitely the way to go for the sort of like sub components, but but larger architectural layouts navigation uh state management kind of stuff you know high, higher level i think i think i'm just going to have to end up doing all ui kit from that point out because um and i i think that's fine like those views are pretty simple but i i just need those custom integrations where i can't get them with swift swift ui right now and i think like you said it's just a little too early the declarative style of it also is like i said it's hard to wrap my head around doesn't lend itself to doing things a certain way. You kind of have to rethink how you do things. Some things are not possible at all, right? Uh and there's also lots of different reactivity models. There's there's I don't know if it's combine or combine. I don't know the right way to pronounce it. Combine is like half-life 2, right? Like <laughs> but combine is their sort of reactive like Swift Rx kind of thing where you have uh like publishers and subscribers and everything's a stream, right? Okay. And so they have some kind of reactivity there, but then Swift UI has its own reactivity thing with state and bindings, where state is like the source of truth and a binding is actually like a two way binding into and out of that state. It's all very explicit, which is nice, but I'm just still figuring it out. So trying to again trying to work that declarative style into naturally, you know, a way of done imperative programming is, is really kind of screws with your head. You know, it's like going from jQuery to to view, right? Like it's that kind of jump. Mm. Okay. So, that's kind of where I'm at with that. I am I I am mostly happy with it. Like I said, I like the ability to experiment with views. The views I've been able to create have been very beautiful. I could do little gradients and shadows and padding and rounded borders and rect you know, all that stuff to make stuff, you know, little details look good. Very easy to do, composable, uh very flexible. I love all that stuff. Uh it's just when you start to piece things together that uh it falls apart. So, more updates as they warrant. That's my uh, that's my short Swift UI review. I'm just gonna keep plugging ahead, one day at a time here, and, and see how far I get.
0: It's it's good to hear um, your 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 opinion on it uh, as someone that has like more you know, non-Swift UI native experience, iOS, iOS app experience. Because like I said, most people I observed are, you know, front-end people that I have observed that were using it as like a 100 days of code type, learn a new skill sort of
1: thing. Yeah, and it, it it's actually, I picked up surprisingly quickly, like the, it's really weird how it works. It, it abuses heavily the uh, the way structs work in Swift and enums and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so basically every time you you build a view which it returns a struct, right? Like you initialize a struct, which is an immutable, you know, object more or less. And then you call modifier methods on it. So you, so you should make like, okay, I have a rectangle. Then you call like dot corner radius five. And that returns a new rectangle that has that corner radius thing. And then you say like animated. And so now that thing will animate if like something about it changes, like the, you know, the, the, the the bounds of a change or the corner radius change or whatever. And then you can say, like, you know, add a border. And then you can say, you know, add padding. But what's interesting is the the order of the modifiers mattered, right? So if I say, if I have, like, a a block of text, okay, so say, hello, world. Then I say padding, then background color, red. It's going to add padding and then add the background color, right? But if I said background color and then padding... Right? It's gonna add red just in the vicinity of my text and then add padding around that that's transparent. Hmm. Right. So like the order matters and that's kind of interesting too, because each modifier just returns a mutable version of the struct. It's really interesting. It's it's basically like building a DOM, right? But um and once you start to like learn how to build your own views, you sort of understand like okay, Swift UI builds a representation of like the whole tree of all possible like views that could be represented at this moment. But it doesn't really initialize the actual views themselves until it needs to, right? It lazily sort of like, it knows what view is coming next. Like if you're going to tap on a link, it's it knows like, okay, this is going to be a link to a whole new view, but it doesn't initialize until obviously you, you tap on the thing and it becomes visible. So um, that's cool. Interesting, like sort of memory and performance implications that I haven't really figured out yet. I like that you dug into it like that though. There's a lot more to dig into. Like, I'm just scratching the surface here. I really want to learn more about how it works, because it is still pretty magic to me right now. <laughs> that's cool. Swift is very cool, though. I really, I really really enjoy it from a language perspective. It's very, very well thought out. It's very hard to to write a null reference exception, but also, you know, not in a way that's annoying. You know what I mean? Sure yeah it doesn't it doesn't
0: necessarily throw all of the work into your lap to avoid a null reference exception
1: yeah it makes it hard to shoot yourself in the foot but easy to sort of get around dealing with nulls okay (laughs) that's like that's like the biggest thing that the language does in my opinion
0: yeah i haven't really played around with it too much to be honest just just a little bit here and there some hello world stuff nothing beyond that
1: it even has baby pattern matching
0: hmm i do miss elixir
1: so anyway thanks for thanks for listening to my swift ui rant uh I think I got through most of the things. I I am, like I said, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really excited to get the app out. It makes really, I've already have pretty looking screenshots, so that's something. <laughs> the app doesn't actually work yet. It's all literally just static data right now, but I can actually tap around and basically do almost everything in the app just with, with fake data, so that's pretty cool. That's something I could not do before. I can literally load it on my phone and just play around with it when I'm bored.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's the feeling that keeps you going, right? If you can get to that quickly and you can feel it, it's like a real thing. It helps me. That's like the first plateau you might hit in my in my mind.
1: It's like, well, that's maybe like the top of the plateau that you might you might turn around on. You just want to start poking at stuff, man. Like, yeah. It's like Logo Man. Just make the turtle draw something. Draw a circle. Draw a hexagon. Right. Cool. What else can I draw? Yeah, so where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? So, yes.
0: Uh, 2021 is coming up. Uh, 2020 obviously had some big changes for me in like first new job in, uh, I don't know, since 2016, maybe, you know, first non, like mostly self-employed where I kind of like did whatever I wanted, set my own schedule, you know? So metal lab is, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty good gig too. I'm not complaining with that by any means, but it's, it's different, right? Um, so there were some big shifts there. And uh I was just thinking back about on twenty twenty a lot and and more specifically like things I looked at. Like someone in the chat mentioned, you know, I looked at Go, I built a project in Go, interviewed for some jobs in Go. Uh <laughs> Wait, that was this year? Yeah. I Laravel was a thing too that happened. So picked up Laravel and PHP and started working on a thing that, you know, I ended up like moving on from, but was doing some Laravel development that actually went into production. Um before that there was Phoenix and Elixir too in 2020. Uh and then also um JavaScript and Node. Uh, and yeah, it's just the whirlwind of technologies. So many different technologies. So so and we can ask the chat and even the listeners too for feedback and a little bit of like things that they maybe want to see or try to do or maybe predictions for 2021 tech stuff. But um uh, yeah, I, I, like I mentioned earlier, I've been talking to you and been talking to uh Paul and and it's very obvious that over you know, especially through the show that I'm like uh bandwagoner or or like I I see something that's like shiny and I drift towards it, right? And so I'm trying to, in 2021, my main goal is to not do that. And I think that my main uh, catalyst for this is uh, Twitter, to be honest, (laughs) because I follow a lot of different communities on Twitter. And uh, I feel like a lot of the, and again, this could be me projecting, but I feel like a lot of the things that I'm seeing tech-related go less, they go, they go, they're less about like sharing about a cool tech and it's more about marketing and sales now. So I feel like I'm always being sold to, uh, on Twitter about like, this technology is amazing because A, B and C and D, or this one does this one better. You know, it's like walking down, uh, it's like walking past a strip
1: mall with like blinking lights and all this stuff. So it's just, a, it's a popularity contest, right? How many stars does it have on GitHub? Sure. Yeah. Right. That, that's always the first question should it be the first question eh. right 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 and i think i spend too much time
0: because i do kill time just like on twitter i I notice like when i'm walking somewhere or just sitting around and most of the people and most of the things i follow on twitter are just dev related so that's typically where i get my dev news hear about new things from but i think that not that it causes me an anxiety but it's just constant uh stream of things i guess so yeah, uh, my main goal for 2021 is
1: to just chill that out. So so how does that manifest? Is that you just exploring new things without sort of external influences? Or is that more just doubling down on stuff that you know and want to learn more about, like taking the deep dive? You know, is it, is it, it could be both, I guess. But like, uh, you know, how are you going to discover new things and try new things if you don't have a sort of repository of people yelling at you to try new things
0: uh my counter question to that right now is 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 is, am i in a position right now where i should be worrying
1: about learning new things Hmm. well you keep talking about javascript and you keep saying that you want to do more javascript stuff like you could always go in that direction that's not going to hurt you in any way you know yep
0: yep yep i could do that um I don't necessarily want to do that. I don't hate JavaScript. I don't mind JavaScript. It just is. It well. So when I'm okay, so here's my mind then. So like, okay. Uh, one, of, one of my notes is like, I only have two notes for <laughs> this show. Like one says less Twitter and then one, the other one is boring tech, like nothing new for me. So uh like, Yes, not that JavaScript is new, but I, you know, I think that, and and this is why I wanted to also call back to the point that you said earlier, like you wanted to pick something that would just let you ship something, and you wouldn't have to shave the yak again, uh, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe that's that's where I'm at. So now I'm kind of thinking about, all right, what do I know now? Like I do like Laravel a lot, but I don't know PHP very well. I don't know Laravel like
1: that well. It's super deep. Wait, so is this related to that screenshot you sent me five minutes before we started recording? What was that? Oh, yes. Yeah. It's a toolbar of, I assume, some IntelliJ editor that says Active Record and Active Model at the top? Uh, it's not, it's, it's a Safari. Oh. Why is it red? It's just the, um,
0: the red color on the Ruby Unreal site. It's like translucent on Safari.
1: But it goes into the nav bar? Yeah, on Safari it does. I just, just turn that shit off man accessibility mode like doesn't bother I just me turned all that off <laughs> so
0: so it drives me crazy so uh anyhow yeah so that got me thinking like okay so what do i like i like php I like well i like laravel um but i don't know php very well so that's a bigger lift there uh phoenix and elixir i know pretty well i think um so the other one that i had like the other main framework that i have experiences with is with rails in ruby so um i have a decent amount of experience in the past and so if i'm thinking about like paul's wish in the chat paul said his wish for me was to ship something in 2021 (laughs) uh so in thinking about shipping something in 2021 it'd be less of a lift for me to either pick elixir and phoenix or ruby and rails for my toolkit right? For just like the thing that I can like just get instead of going wider, going deeper on, I I suppose. Right. So JavaScript's not going away, especially react because it's my day job. So now it's more about like, do I want to, do I want to stretch deeper into node or do I want to go back to rails or Phoenix essentially for, for this
1: stuff? If you really just want to ship something, so I already forgot. Was that your words or Paul's words? Both, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so like you gotta work backwards from that. Figure out what you want to work on and then, you know, find the tool set to do it and whether it's
0: Oh, I have a couple of things that I do wanna work on already. So like what? Like what? Well, the the Rodinia thing being one and then B think being the other the other thing.
1: Okay, but that's those are well trodden, like those are those are crud web apps. Like yeah. you know how to do that. You do that you get paid to do that. So like, <laughs> I mean, if you're passionate about it, by all means, but that is, I- Rodinia is kind of yaksh, or even B-Think is kind of yak me at this point, like how many times have you re- rewritten that, or talked about rewriting that.
0: Right. Yeah. I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not trying to build something n- new out of the wheelhouse. These are just things I want to exist for myself. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm coming back around to them.
1: Well, that's fair. I mean, again, if you're trying to ship something and it's, Partly done, like, yeah, by all means finish it, but you got to get past that the last twenty percent there, sure, yeah, I mean, listen, <laughs> I'm throwing rocks in the glass house here, okay yeah, yeah, you definitely. Know? I mean, <laughs> It's not like i've got I've shipped a, a major new thing in a while either well, so
0: like something you hit on, and something Paul's saying in the chat too, like the tech is boring, the thing is the thing, the thing should be the exciting thing, the thing that you're interested in doing, and that's definitely true um. I'm, you know, I, I think that I, I start to focus on the thing and I get excited about the thing. And then I look at, all right, I want to build this thing. And then I get, I just get like shot off into whatever. Uh, again, looking at this stuff, which is, which is why I circle back. and was like, okay, what do I know right now? What doesn't, what's not going to require me to, uh, I guess another way of putting that is, is, is what's going to uh, have the least, have the least impact in like jettisoning me into screw this uh all this other this boilerplate crap i don't want to do and look for something different
1: you want to know how i you know i talked a little bit about it but you want to know how i really ended up picking swift ui for my application rewrite open the window for the swift ui tutorial and start a new project like that was it didn't read reviews didn't do any research i knew it was a thing i'm like i'm just gonna try it yeah and here i am like i learned so much more about my personal use case for this by actually doing it and hitting my head against the desk, uh, then I could have read by, you know, spent all that time reading blogs and, and sure. trying to absorb that and remember it. So, um, you know, I, I did uh try to go down, like I said, the, the React Native hole and stuff. And I got as far as, you know, NPM install and then just basically gave up when, you know, <laughs> it didn't get very far. <laughs> yeah. That's basically as far as I got to that down that road but it's like i literally just dove in head first because with with no expectation the expectation is like we'll see how far i get like may, maybe it'll be something maybe it's not now, I, i'm still okay at this point just throwing it away you know it, it's a it's you know a week's worth of work during vacation like whatever if 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 it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but um at least i tried
0: yeah yeah totally i think that's the behavior i'm trying to get more towards too i don't know exactly where it stems from maybe it was just from uh, I, cause I know a lot of us in, in, in Twitch here are self-taught. Um, so I'm you know, in this could just me be, me being like just thinking about this too much too, but like, I always have this habit of looking at a thing, reading the docs a little bit, and then going externally and finding non-doc related sources in terms of blog posts or YouTube videos, whatever about a, a thing about a tech. Right. And that's where, I start to get pulled in all these different directions. Right. And I want to, I want to be more active in the sense of finding uh, a thing and do like exploring it myself because I immediately go to other sources and then I'm influenced by someone's possibly someone's lack of understanding of something or someone's biases against something. Uh, so, yeah,
1: I think it's also about lack of understanding more about your reading people's experiences that aren't necessarily relevant like your your use case or your experience or your knowledge base or your you know whatever it is like your you plus the technology equaling the product like that that formula is different for every person right and so there is limited value in sort of reading people's opinions And I just spent forty minutes talking about UI <laughs> review, right? But like, sure, sure. But sure. that's my take on it. You know, I, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case for everyone. I think, you know,
0: well, so, someone's not coming to the podcast trying to be like, all right, I'm going to learn UI now because Rockwell's talking about it. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. that, that's, no. that's different. So, uh, yeah, I'm trying to just be more like that. Yeah, I'm trying to be more like you and Paul in in in, in that sense. So, yeah, and 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 again, like. Uh, I think Paul said this in the chat too, like any of the texts that I mentioned can build any of the side project ideas I have right now. Like I'm not trying to think of a side project in some, in an area I have no experience like that, you know, there's time for that. Um, I don't want to do that right now. Uh, The technology really is inconsequential here to the end result of the application, in my opinion. Uh, So it's really, like you said earlier, again, going back to like, what can I pick that'll just get this thing out the door? Like don't think about getting the thing out. Like I don't have to think about how to get the thing out the door. You can just get it out. Right. And, and uh for me, those would probably, it'd probably be either Phoenix or rails because I, I know how to build a web app with those. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it would require the least amount of Googling uh the least amount of <laughs> research. Not that those are bad, but you know what I mean? I just outlined why um
1: they're problematic for me. <laughs> Well, you you want to mastery of the tools is really what you're saying. Yes, yeah. You know, you you want to use tools that you've mastered and, you know, deeper that understanding. Is deeper a verb? No, I use that wrong. <laughs> but you get the
0: point. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, those are my, <laughs> that's like what I want to be more like in 2021. I don't have maybe a concrete goal to be able to achieve that, but that's like if I'm imagining myself that's that's kind of what I would want to see in myself next year. Uh, I'm, so the other catalyst for all this too is again chatting with with uh, uh, role model of the show Greg, <laughs> I guess, DemiGod. So he just shipped another app, right? Uh, this book reading app. I'll, I'll put a link to the show notes. Uh, and I was like, oh, cool. Like, what's uh, you know, what's this thing? He's like, oh yeah, this this other part here. It's just Django. I was like, okay. And the backstory to that is, like, the last things he does, he just uses Django. Like, if it's a good fit and he doesn't need any extreme performance or anything, he's like, I know it, it works, big ecosystem. Just use a Django, and he just ships crap. And so it was, like, cracked open the Django docs, of course. And then I was like, wait, I don't know Python.
1: I feel like we talk about Greg the same way the uh, ATP folks talk about uh, underscore David Smith. Like, he's the same thing, but he ships iOS apps. Like, it's his job. I mean, it is his job, but, like, he, he ships them with a plum. So uh just so some people are just like that man. Throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh could we pivot to back to the idea that we it's we're running along yeah, yeah. here, but I wanna I wanna I don't have any things to say for next year. But I wanna hear and we got some stuff up in the chat. Chat, we're enlisting you while Sean and I are talking here and giving a little intro, can you please tell us your, what do we want to hear from them? Like 2020, 2021, what are we thinking? So there's a bunch of 2021s here that uh, I can scroll through and look at. All right, let's, well, let's go forward looking, because we don't want to look back at 2020, right? Right. So we have enlisted the chat to give us their goals, dreams, hopes, wishes for 2021. And we're going to go through them here for a little bit. So, uh, I'll go
0: to the first one I can find here and Paul Straw, original OG of the show, Paul Straw, says his 21, 21, prediction is Rockwell and Paul start sharing a lot of 3d models together.
1: Well, this is true. Cause Jess got me a Prusa mini plus 3d printer for Christmas. Uh, so that's, uh, definitely in the future. Of course they're way backward and it's not coming until February, but I, uh, now have an excuse to learn fusion 360 and Paul and I are going to start, uh, printing stuff. Like crazy.
0: Uh, so that one's confirmed. <laughs> uh, okay. Thomas. Uh, Thomas. Mod of the show Thomas. Uh, says his 2021 goal is to produce some content. Uh, whether it's a blog post or a YouTube video each month. I, uh, Thomas, I would watch
1: a YouTube channel. Yeah. Paul says I would consume Thomas YouTube content. I would. Yep. Maybe we can roll him into the uh, DNC content sphere that we have yet to create. And we keep talking about for years. Get in my DMs,
0: Thomas. Uh let's see, practical DK here says serious tech predictions. Twenty twenty-one is the year of Linux. <laughs> I think there's a sarcasm modifier on that. Yep. <laughs> 2021 is the resurgence of Ruby on Rails. Uh 2021 is when people stop using unnecessary amounts of JS. Uh and and uh put more server-side code where it belongs. And 2020 2020- uh, one is the year that they might actually get into programming again. That'd be cool. And also, twenty twenty
1: one is the year that Rockwell gets an Android and regrets not going Flutter. Well, not a perfect score on that one. But the Ruby on Rails thing, I think that's a real thing. You know, we talked about last uh, was it last week, two weeks ago about all the all the just server side stuff and and uh, Hotwire and mm-hmm. I really see it, man. I I think it's uh, the the death of Rails has been greatly exaggerated. Let's see
0: here. Paul Straw says 2021, I ship a side project.
1: <laughs> we'll see what happens. By I meaning, it says Sean ships a side project, yes, to be clear. Yes, yes, yes.
0: Paul's got many side projects going. Uh, Shy Ryan says 2021 is the year that they learn Rust, but also some other goals. Try Gleam for Phoenix Live View. Uh, Gleam seems pretty cool. It's like a typed earling, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a
1: typed language for the Beam, yep.
0: Yeah. He wants to try uh, Deno. Learn Rust, make at least one of the side projects successful enough to have it 4K a month from the side project. That's a killer goal right there too. That'd be awesome.
1: I like I like the number on it too. Like 4K a month or bust, man. A K a week. That's the way to go.
0: Let's see here. Uh Paul Straw says 2021 is gonna be WASM and mainstream.
1: Yeah, so that's interesting too, because like we were we were talking about this too. Like WASM is starting to be a real thing. I think it's a real thing in browsers now. It's like, is the tooling there? Is it, you know, is it worth it to get in now and try to learn all that stuff? Probably. Could be. Or you could just use Lumen.
0: Write <laughs> Elixir. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, Sultan of Cardio wants to uh, just make a con- contribution to open source project. That's also a great goal.
1: Very noble goal. I love it.
0: And uh, their prediction is that JetBrains is going to take Kotlin native seriously. That's interesting. What does that mean exactly? Um, Kotlin native? So uh, I haven't actually looked at it myself, but I I would think it's akin to React Native or Flutter, something but using
1: Kotlin. So instead of using some kind of Java sort of controls, it does some kind of native UI thing instead? Is that the idea? I don't know enough about this, clearly.
0: I'd have to look it up, yeah. Uh, Ducky says uh, their goals for 2021 are more view slash Nux competency and more work on their side project, Protégé. Uh, Shout out to Protégé. Is it Protégé.dev, Drew? The job board for junior devs that he's working on. He's been working on that on his stream, right? Shout out the stream here. Uh, Yeah, Ducky underscore 87. I'll put a link to show notes as well. Let's see here. Another goal for Paul is to ship a video game. I would love to, I would play that game a lot. Oh, rails is dead. PHP is dead. <laughs> oh, I see. Rails is dead. Like PHP is dead. It's not <laughs> Uh 22 make an actual, ver- Oh, so practical uh, DK. Another goal is to make an actual good uh, version of good reads. And I
1: think that's it. I think that I think that's it. I think we got everyone. Very good goals. i like this optimism for less work, more joy, Sean what's your goal kdr for warzone for
0: 2021 1.5 what do you at? you're at 1.5 now though right um several weeks yes but my my global average is rising it's like 1.25 mm, now okay it was 1.01 01 around the beginning of the year so
1: wow okay so you could do that you could do it
0: just don't be bad it's easy just don't be bad did you just tell me to get good Let's upon on Twitch, uh, Rockle, What's your 2021 goal?
1: Yeah, uh, I thought I would get away without without you asking me. Nothing slips by, alumnus of the show. Boy, I wish I had prepared for this. Um, 2021 is I'm itching to do something new. I don't know what it is. RHR is cool. I'm I'm ready to put it in maintenance mode and uh, do something new. You know, I don't know what that is might just be a, a a boring jobby job that would be fine with me you know um it might be some cool new side project that i don't know yet it might be you know doubling down on the side projects i already have and making them better like we mentioned before like i'm, I'm gonna have a, a nice 3d printer here i would love to sort of get more into that you know i've always been doing lots of you know diy pcb stuff but i'm always hamstrung by the physicality of like building things i don't think that way i've had trouble thinking in like three dimensions and planning things out and uh i think having a 3d printer and being able to experiment with enclosures and mounting and like the ways to organize things in physical space buttons and control panels and I i don't know man uh that really intrigues me and i would like to get a lot better at it so that's cool um there's gonna be there's gonna be lots of 3D printing in my future. That's kind of what I got right now though. But but the big goals are gonna be um, time to explore something new. I don't know what that is yet. Cool. We'll see, <laughs>
0: we'll see where I am in a year. <laughs> I know what that I know what that's like exactly. So well, cool, man. Good to hear. And good uh, good to have you get that
1: out though. That way we can look back on it and laugh about it. We'll laugh about this someday, Sean. Yeah. All our hopes and dreams as as coronavirus rages on. <laughs> Paul says
0: twenty twenty one checkup's gonna be fun. Yeah, yeah. Well I guess if anybody else has any uh predictions and they weren't in the stream and you're just listening, we would love to hear from you. Your your goals, your ambitions, your tech predictions, uh, or anything else for that matter, I suppose. <laughs> No, really, I've been getting some, I've been, I've been getting some awesome just DMs on Twitter from people reaching out, uh, you know, people saying, Hey, I heard this episode and I have thoughts or I heard this episode and have you checked this out? And so I, I always just love, um, uh, uh, people just reaching out. I don't know. It's, it's one
1: of my favorite things about doing the show. So, well, even though Sean is vowed to quit Twitter, you can still tweet at him. You can tweet at us, at DNCcast. Sean is Sean Washbutt, and I am Shrockwell. Again, no guarantees we're going to read it, because Sean's not going to read Twitter as much, right, Sean? I'm, gonna, I'm going to leave tech Twitter. We're going to wean you off. We're going
0: to
1: use that screen time. Here's what we do. You set my screen time password. <laughs> I'll make you, like, as a, as a child in my family and lock down your phone right is that the only way this is going to happen could be can you set up um, a raspberry pi with pi hole and so that after like a certain time it just sends all twitter dns to you know the trash you know what I did find an app that
0: allows you to tweet but doesn't allow you to read twitter that's interesting (laughs) that's that's just like throwing shots into the void no follow up you, you, you know what that's called that's called having a podcast true yeah show notes yes yes so anything we talked about today uh links are going to be available at the show notes uh, and you can find the show notes at dnc.show
1: we're also streaming on twitch every week thursday night 6 pacific 9 eastern twitch.tv slash dnc cast all on word all lowercase no underscores no hyphens no ampersand 20s just dnc cast twitch chat come on by Also, if you can't make it to the live streams, uh, we have a
0: discord community and it's, it's an active community. We love talking about tech. We love talking about making stuff, uh, but it's not limited to just tech. We talk about cooking. We talk about stocks. Uh, we talk about music. There's all sorts of conversations happening. So if that sounds interesting to you, um, you should definitely join our discord. Uh, there will be a link, uh, with an invite in the show notes, uh, to the discord. It's open to everybody and, uh, yeah, if it's interesting it sounds uh, interesting to you, you should definitely join
1: up. Well, Sean, happy new year. Here's to 2021. Another 52 episodes. It's going to be good. What would that put us at? Almost 300? Yep. Put us over 300.
0: That's wild. Yeah, you have a good, uh, good year as well. And same to everybody in the chat. Thanks for today. Tonight was a lot of fun. I'll say the corny thing and talk to you uh, next year.
1: All right. (laughs) Yeah, all right. See ya. All right, see ya.